0: Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is, and I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with The Great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special events, or buy some of our merchandise, go to our website, www.andtheriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy this podcast, please rate us on iTunes, or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. We really appreciate that effort. <laughs> Welcome to And The Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. Today's friend of the podcast started playing music on Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, California. A few years later, six of his singles have been certified gold or platinum. He's played halftime shows for nationally televised NFL games, hosted the biggest syndicated morning shows, and Dance with the stars. He even played basketball in the celebrity game over the NBA's All-Star Weekend. This New Yorker sings about fantastic, Fidelity and is an advocate for the poor. In other words, he's a good person when he writes songs and even better when he doesn't. And the writer is the only grown adult I know who postmates cake pops from Starbucks, Andy Grammer.
2: (laughs) I feel like just the fact we got through that without laughing is good. We're off to a good start.
0: Well, the thing is, I'm also like pretty <laughs> dyslexic, so it's like I I, I read slowly, yeah. not because I'm trying to be articulate, but because I am really just a very slow reader. So I just try to make sure I don't screw up.
2: Amazing! Know, right? I knew Cake Pop was going to be in the intro. I was just waiting for yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Well, so the, I guess the story of the Cake Pop. Yeah. Is that we <laughs> we were, you know, Andy was about to go on this like sugar. Um, this like sugar diet, like yeah. no sugar diet, and you were like, so when you're about to go on a diet, you're like, I'm gonna eat as much sugar as I can. Yes. And it was also like midday, and we're writing with Ian Kirkpatrick, and uh, and uh, you were like, I want a cake pop, <laughs> and you post made a cake pops, and you were sitting there waiting for um our coffee and cake pops, and. We get a phone call from the Postmates guy because you had ordered
2: the Postmate, right? So you had to you had to like negotiate the whole deal. Yeah, that's what made he, it amazing. Because he
0: calls and he's like, "Hello, sir," and you are like, "Hey," <laughs> and he's like, uh, um, "They don't have they don't have um, birthday cake cake pops." So then I have to go, Andy. They don't have birthday cake cake pops, and you go, well, "What kind of cake pops do they have?" And I gotta be like. I don't know what kind of cake pops do they have, and he has to go to the barista the whole and thing say like, is just "Hey, really... do you have what other kind of cake pops do you have?" And somehow this, have this read, took us into and like, It's like you're going back and forth, and it's like a a, a telephone of four which people, which is still
2: totally worth it. By the way, I'm sitting over there going, "This is important. Like, yeah, I need it." Well, the and cake pop you, yeah, was delicious. It was great.
0: It was, it was easily great. worth it. But it's just funny to make like grown ass people. Yes. Order. Cake pops. Cake
2: pops. Before you go on a diet, a sugar diet, anyone who knows that's very important, give me the name cake pop.
0: Yeah. Um uh, do you pinch yourself when you hear like uh an intro like that and you're like, wow, that's kind of a lot of stuff. Or are you now so like used to this lifestyle?
2: I don't think you ever get used to it. I think that it's still so crazy. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you should be proud of yourself.
2: Um uh yeah, you know, anytime anybody intros me anywhere, I'm like,
0: wait, really?
2: That's unbelievable.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, to get to do this is is amazing, and and to, I feel lucky to have been able to do like all the little jobs on the way up too. To start as a street performer and really kind of feel that and own where you are in that moment, and then luckily get to go play songs around the world is it's nuts, man. It's totally insane.
0: It's totally crazy. Yeah,
2: it's funny. I was listening. First of all, I love this podcast. I'm so psyched to be here. And when I listen to each person. I feel I find myself being like oh yeah I'm totally like that. And then there's other things where I'm like I'm totally not like that at all. Like what? Like the Charlie Puth one? Yeah. That dude's like a superhero. Yeah. Right? So I felt the need to like tell like for all the up and coming writers you don't need to be like that. To have some songs that do, really well. <laughs> that do really well. Like that dude's like, oh yeah, we like went to the, you know, I was going to church and I sat down and played the whole thing on the piano. Like it totally fine. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm in my car listening, going like, who the fuck is that? I don't, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. I yeah. feel very blue collar yeah. when it comes to stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I just want to start. Like to all the young writers out there, there's also a side of writers that are super ugly ducklings in college and stuff <laughs> that uh, just through a lot of, um, I don't know, persistence and, and luck and, and trying hard and not stopping and chasing your point of view, you can yeah. still have like a really big impact.
0: Well, and there are all these writers, you know, like the Jay Cashes and the Justin Tranner's, like some of these people who live in top 40. Totally. Savin, you know, these people that we've talked to that have at any given time f- three, four songs in the top 40. Yeah. And it's the volume of quality. Is so shocking, unreal. And you're sitting there, and you're like, "Well, I'm. A, I think I'm a good writer. Yeah. But you know, at best, I'm at like I'll take one, I'll take two at most. <laughs> you know. And, and you still look if you look at that, and you try to compare yourself to. Yeah, I to think that. that that's really, really what dangerous. I was just trying
2: to say. Is like comparing your strengths to other people is always a bad move. You know. Yeah. Oh, I was this this. Why quote? do you
0: do that? I mean, how we do all you do all do it?
2: Okay, so there's the, wait, I'm trying to make sure I get this quote right. I forget. I saw it on Twitter somewhere. And it was like, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reels. Oh, wow. Pretty crazy, right? So like all of our behind the scenes making of our movie, we then see someone else's highlight reel and we're like, oh, mine doesn't look like that. So I'll probably never be like them. But like we all have our own moments and our own strengths and our own things that we bring to the table that uh, you just have to be brave enough to go after it in your own way, you know?
0: I guess it's the thing when people say that they're like, oh, you know, I guess the, the positive of this podcast is that people are like, oh, I, I, we didn't know that about the writers. Yeah, we you didn't know? know. Yeah. And because you're used to seeing that highlight reel, you know, but. I- and
2: isn't the whole thing
0: that we do all just about our highlight reels? Like, how many songs do you write in a year?
2: And, mm. then, to, and then how many um, do people hear, number one, which is like teeny? And then the one of those ones that people hear, how many are successful and how many will be re- remembered by. Right. It's all a highlight reel. That's and people the whole thing.
0: critique your best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then be, then you, you come out with your best material and people are like, I don't like that song.
2: I don't like that song. You, know, <laughs> you send
0: that to somebody you're like, I think this song is great. This yeah. is the best I've written in a while. And they're yeah. like, yeah, not my favorite.
2: Not doing it for me.
0: <laughs> Back to the
2: drawing board, please.
0: Um, do you get affected by critiques? Do you read, read like, critiques? Mm,
2: I think the only time that critiques hurt is when you know them to be true. That's where I'm at right now. Oh, wow. So I'm at a place where if I put out, usually I don't put out a song, luckily now, that I don't think is awesome. So if you critique a song that I think is awesome, unless you probably are not going to point something out that I haven't already like strained over and thought over if you think the drums aren't right if you think that the post is not up to quality like i don't care now cuz you know i write so much and by the time i put it out i'm getting to the place which is a really special place i don't know if you, where you're at with this i'm interested to hear where like this next album that i'm putting out i love it so much that i almost don't care if you like it mm. which is really special i believe me one of the offshoots of liking it so much is, oh, please, I hope everybody gets to hear it and loves it, but... And this is the first time, I think, really, that that's happened, but approaching a play, it feels more artist than ever, where you're like, oh, I just love it. I love it so much. So if you tell me you don't like it, I don't agree with you. Uh You know what I mean? Which is a special place to be. Now, you can't just use that card all the time and, like... I think that when it comes to like picking singles, it's like listen to the world and which ones the people is going to resonate and stuff like that. But it's a really interesting zone to start heading into where it's like because I think I've also I've been someone who's who has cared a lot to some degree of like oh do you like this do you not like that's just like in my in my nature as a as an Andy <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> do you like what's going on here can I help you do you need anything is is your seat comfortable you know what I mean right. but there's a place on this album where, where I'm starting to realize like oh no no I just love it
0: you know I mean I think that's what makes. It real art and totally. makes you a real artist. Yeah. When you can release something, you're like, this is something that I'm proud of. Yeah. And it and it really doesn't matter whether somebody likes it or not. Yeah. You know?
2: And that's an easy thing to say, and then to try and actually own it and live in that space when you if you do put something out, it doesn't work is interesting. And I've
0: always been have you released something that you were like, I'm really proud of this, and and the response was like, nah. Eh. Um, Where you were like, I'm so surprised that this was like, that this tanked.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a song called Back Home, which was the first single off my second record, which I thought was really good. I'm like, that's a good song. I know that's a good song. And it just didn't do very well at radio. Now, it closed my shows. It did. It does amazing in stadiums. But I remember sitting in it when it like didn't do that well at radio going like, I'm bummed out, but I'm also like, ah, that's great. I know that's great, and I think, as an artist, you have to kind of make peace with yourself when you put out art that you think is good to kind of let it let everything roll up and down around you. You know that one of my one of the things that you have to be okay with is that you are the same, especially if you're going to be in it. I've been writing songs now for a while, and I've kind of been putting them out for a while. And people think you're hot, and then they think you're over, and then they think, oh, this one's great. You're the worst. <laughs> you're just like super trendy. No, you're not. And that comes at you over a long period of time. And the bottom line is like, I'm the same the whole time. Like I'm the same guy the whole time. Even like radio stations you walk into and the, now the programmer, can you can feel the difference of like, this time you're walking in, and he's like, oh, you're hot. The song's hitting. Everything's going on. We can't wait to see you. We want you for the show. And then the next time the song's not working, and they're like, uh, you know, just like a little bit distant. And to, to keep a level head through it all, which is like, I literally am the same. I'm the same. It's just things go up and down, and trying to, trying to stay uh, level through it all is, I think, a real big skill for anybody that's an artist.
0: I mean, it's. I was gonna say when you were talking about Third Street Promenade too, yeah. that you know you're the same guy as the guy who was out there. Yeah. You know, you don't really think of yourself as changing. I mean, the world changes around you. You evolve, but I guess that's the behind the scenes. Yeah, thing. Yeah, and
2: everybody, anybody that's a true songwriter, you write so many songs, and then you catch a unicorn once in a while, and then everybody judges you on the unicorn. But the majority of what you're doing is like writing these this like catalog of songs and so then everybody's like oh you're the man it's amazing you're so cool and then it's been a year or two since you've had one and everybody's like yeah he's done and you really do have to understand that all you're doing is like my job is not to be like a smash songwriter my job is is to be like a writer like i'm an artist i show up i do my thing i love it it's one of my favorite things in the world to do is to get in a room either by myself or with other people and try to take the essence of life and put it into like a catchy melody and then kind of be okay with whatever else happens that's crazy that's like a a mature me trying to tell you that's how I am I'm not always like that but that's like my uh, what I aspire to be right yeah
0: have you had the opposite happen where you're like you know this sounds fine yeah let's just get it out the one we (laughs) 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 which one
2: dude Fresh Eyes I thought was good I knew it was like cool, but it didn't have like a like it didn't have a hook that jumped out to me or anything like that. But we got together, we like knocked it out, they like pretty quickly, right?
0: Yeah, that one was And
2: then nasty. the bridge we wrote, we came back and wrote. Yeah. But like that one just felt it felt good, but it didn't have this like magic dust around it. And then it like went nuts on Spotify. That's awesome. Right. So that's the fun thing too is that you don't know why were you wrong? Why was I wrong? Yeah. Um uh, I don't. I still don't really know. I'm. I really like it. I love it. I know. All I know is if it has the essence of uh, a truth in it. So like, I don't. I'm always happy as long as there's truth in the song, whether it's like a gross truth or like an uplifting truth or like a sexy truth or whatever. As long as that's in there, then I'm like, I think it has a chance. So I, I wasn't like, oh, there's no way that's gonna work. I just didn't know that it was gonna go so well. And it's still like done really well all over the world. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We learned is that you need to trust me. I just need to trust <laughs> Ross. Yeah. No, but to be honest, like I, I love that song. I, I think I was, um, I was really also ple- who who wouldn't be pleasantly surprised by right? it, yeah, yeah. anything that's successful. You know, it's like we've all released songs, even with like on the writer side. You've released songs with the biggest artists in the world that don't do well. Yeah, and you do songs with with people who no one's ever heard of, and like they get a big license. Yeah, and you're like, wow, that's I don't know how that stuff happens. You know, you just don't know. You don't know that, like, you know, I I I can name a, a number of artists I've worked with where they were no one knew who they were, and then they had a a big hit, and then all of a sudden it looks like I know what I'm doing because I had songs <laughs> no. on the album. <laughs> totally. You know, but that that's really you can't plan any of this. It's
2: it's such a funny dance, right? Because you also have to keep your ear to the ground. Like you want to know what's happening. Yeah. You can't plan it. It's like a weird middle ground of like you also. I also am not pretending to be the guy that's like the super indie guy that goes into the woods and does like whatever he does. Like I care. Like I want. I want to be a part. I have severe FOMO in all forms of like culture. What's the sound like? What drums are hitting right now? Like I love all that. Um, but I'm. I'm. Appro- You're catching me at a time when we're doing this right now, where I'm approaching being like, is it okay to just like just love it? and put it out. That's like where that's where I'm sitting right now on this next album, which is right. really exciting.
0: Um let's go to the beginning of your story a little bit. Yeah. Um your dad's a Grammy winning musician. Nominated. A Grammy nominated. Right,
2: big difference. We lost to Mr. Rogers. Pretty pretty fucked up. For real? <laughs> yeah. He uh it was a it was the year that Mr. Rogers had passed away and my dad was nominated against his uh compilation album, which is a tough Thing to go in up in what against. category? Best children's album. Um, so, yeah, I grew up around my father and my mother, also. She's a great writer as well, um, which would be really sweet. My wife writes songs. She's incredible, too. And it's I, the dynamic that they had, me and my wife have, which is just like always chopping up whatever song you're listening to, or she'll show me a song, or I'll show her a song. Uh, and having that connection is like just what family means to me. So, that's really sweet that I get to have that. Um, yeah, so I grew up around that. And then my dad, uh, he has a bunch of albums. They're all really great. It's like quality kids music.
0: Yeah. Um, when did you start writing?
2: I started writing, I think around sixteen, uh, or or whatever ninth grade. Around then, I got a guitar and very quickly realized that like I care much more about the song than about like shredding on the guitar. Right. So I picked up the guitar and just like wrote a song, just using the E string. Just like strumming the E string. What
0: was it called?
2: I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah. But and then you start like slowly writing songs for girls and realizing how well that works, even if the songs are super crappy. Um and then just like slowly loving this idea of of writing songs. It's great.
0: Were you in bands? Or were you always
2: in grammar? Yeah,
0: I was called. I tried, I think
2: I no, I kinda always knew that I wanted I, I wasn't really that the songwriting wasn't really Up for debate, like I'm I'm pretty easy to be. I I I like to think that I'm like easy, and but I didn't want to like have somebody in my band say like, no, that's not what we're doing. Kind of what I'm, what I try to do is very specific and very, I don't know, like personal. So like, I write mostly from personal experience, and I, I wasn't willing to have any sort of compromise to that.
0: It's interesting considering how much you collaborate.
2: Totally. But like what I think I bring to the room whenever I collaborate with somebody else. And in the beginning I I hated collaborating. I I thought that it was going to water down this, like what I'm talking about. But it all changed and eventually I got to put this song out. I haven't put it out. But I wrote a song with Cara Diaguardi. Me, her and Jason Reeves got together and I feel like I talk about my mom so much, but it's like part of my story. I lost my mom when I was 25. And I had we wrote a song called Rookie, which is about like being a rookie at losing your, your, losing someone you love. And I came into the room with Kara and I was like, still like not totally sold on co-writing. And I go to her and the first time I met her and I go like, I, uh, I'm going to cry through this. I'm just going to ball through this. But I feel like we, this is my idea for the day. You know, sometimes you, like you get to a writing room and you're like, these are the ideas. This is the one I want to write today. And she's like, I'm in. This is dope. So cool. And we, I cried and she, you know, I def- lost someone in her life before. She didn't cry. The other two didn't cry. But it was just me and every line that we came up with, I was like, oh, yeah. like the guy thing. And we left the room and it was this awesome song that no one could sing except for me. Why? And I was like, dope. Collaborating do you, is so fresh.
0: What do you mean no one could sing it?
2: Because it's 100% my story. 100% my point of view. 100% what I would want to say. And I had other people... There to help me tell my story, so that to me is that's that's when co-writing starts to get amazing, and I yeah. like to think of it almost like an architect. Like you want to, I want to build um, a Japanese style thing, so I go get someone who ha- has experience in that. But uh, it's what I want to do, yeah. and it's my you know f- for me, I always kind of knew that what my special sauce was was my point of view. Like early on, I think what's really great in the long run, is what you don't have when you get started. So I knew, like, once I got a guitar in my hand, like, okay, I don't shred. My voice is okay. <laughs> um, what do I got here? You know? Especially, like, when I went out to the street as a street performer. My And it's funny, because now I have actually a lot of confidence having done this for so long. I feel like my voice has really grown. I'm really, like, starting to be confident in my choice of melodies and stuff like that. Just being around it and learning and soaking it in. But in the beginning, it was like, I don't have anything that's gonna wow you. So the song is gonna really have to, like, the song's gonna have to carry a lot of the weight here. Yeah. Um,
0: I think a lot of people assume that their voice is what's going to define them, but it isn't. But imagine, like, yeah, like how
2: stunting it would be if your voice was unreal. That you could sing anything and anyone would be like, oh my god, how amazing. You can get away with so many shitty lyrics because your voice is
0: so good. Yeah, but n- not really. I mean, You
2: definitely can get away with more if your voice is unbelievable, especially just in your inner circle when you're getting started. People will be that like, be. whoa, you're unbelievable. And at for me to start... They may
0: ask you to sing.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. So
0: they'll want to hear what you have to say, but you can easily argue. I mean, the best singers that are out there right now... And I'm not going to like blow up their spot, but there are a bunch of them that have really bad songs totally. and cannot get anywhere because their songs suck. But when you look at like the greatest artists, like t- you can take, you know, some of the names out there Frank Sinatra's out, sure. Elvis, Whitney, you know, take those out. That's fine. But like, there's like the. Kurt Cobains and the and the Bob Dylans and totally. the Bruce Springsteens and you know the Joni Mitchells and like you know Carol King these people are not great like quote singers totally. they're just such good writers that you're like but I would fuck argue yeah, that one of shit. the reasons
2: that they're such great writers is because in their development phase they, they knew writers. that they that they had that that had to carry the weight they knew that like I'm not gonna blow someone away with the high note. It's going to have to be the turn of the phrase for me, you know? Mm. And again, like I feel pretty confident. I'm like really proud of how far my voice has come. And like now I feel confident singing and stuff. But in the beginning, especially, you know, my dad, he has this amazing tenor voice. And I remember being young and writing songs going like, I don't have that at this moment. And like really being stressed that like, I don't know if I can do this because I don't think my voice is going to, is the but you
0: thing. have a really big range. So I've really, again, like I'm saying, I feel
2: like I've grown into it and it's one of my strengths now. But when I was starting, which is so crucial to everybody, is that development period is like, I knew that it was going to have to be the words. Yeah. Which is now like, are you a melody or words person? Or music or words? There's everybody yeah. falls into these categories, right? Where the thing
0: like, is, I always thought I was a lyric person until I became the melody guy. Totally. And then now I'm like nervous that my lyrics don't hold up. (laughs) I mean I was literally (laughs) But I mean like when a piece of music
2: hits you, what do you listen to or
0: Oh I it's weird. That's interesting. I I think I I think I listen to the melody first because I think that's the easiest language to understand. Mm. It's the dialect that we all speak. Yeah. It's what to me that I think that's you know, that's as if not more important. I think the 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 lyric is what will make me fall in love with something and make me want to learn more about the artist. Yeah. It, it's what really drives my relationship with music.
2: Yeah, and as an artist who's playing, but the first shows, thing I
0: listen to is gonna always be the melody. The melody.
2: See, for me, it's hundred percent lyric.
0: Wow. When I hear a song, but how it's like, do you do that? You, like, how I, are you that focused? That you I don't know. Pay attention. The only to what thing that I that right I hear away.
2: first is like, what are you talking about? What's your angle? who what do you have to say about everything mm-hmm. <laughs> what's your take on all this right you know and when i'm uninspired by that i'm now just like when i study especially if this is on the radio or like go through the top 50 on spotify um once i get bo- if i know that there's nothing there that is really like amazing to me then i'll then i'll still just like study what else is going on but to me the lyrics if once that hits then i'm then i'm really in that's what i love
0: is there the kind of place in are like is is there an a time in 2000 and you know 18 mm-hmm. that you can be an artist and not listen to the other music that's out there and still be relevant like how how is it that mm. you know like you're saying you're studying the music that's out there and as a writer I feel obligated to do that too yeah on the other hand I feel like I'm not going to write Little Lucy Vert's next single I'm not going to write, you know, Cardi B's next single. Sure. I just don't it's not how I write. Yeah. And it's like how do you stay relevant if you don't study? You know, and if you do study, like how do you, you Andy Grammer is not putting Lil Uzi Vert like melodies in
2: uh, Yeah, I don't think you ever want to be um so so you never want to be me too. Right. That's right. what me and my my manager Ben always that's a big phrase for us. Which is like um, taking a sound that's hitting and being like, "Oh, and me as well," <laughs> <laughs> and also me, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't want to be um, afraid of being inspired. Mm-hmm. So if I'm inspired, then I think that can uh, by whatever's going on. Then, then that's like different because then it's like, "No, this is like I'm in." There's a very different yeah. thing, you know. You know, as a writer, there's yeah, a different sure. thing between like this is so fresh. This is like you know. On that song, "Good to Be Alive," that was like kind of the way that I in the way that I was feeling it was like gospel kind of like stomp clap thing, yeah. but then throwing the trap drum at the end of it was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And trap drums were happening, but I wasn't trying to do me too. It was just like, "That's what's happening right now. This is so right. this is so cool." So I think it's all in the intention. There's definitely an intention sometimes to mess with what's occurring in the moment, and then there's also sometimes where you're desperately trying to. To be relevant. And those two things are razor thin. You have to be right. like really careful to not fall in the other way.
0: Yeah. Um one of my favorite stories when you were saying that you were on Third Street and you were wondering about how like hit songs were written, so you got a book? Or yeah. Something like that. Totally. And then hey, tell walk me through that a little bit. So I'm just always Well, how open. did you get to 3rd Street? Yeah, like we went from like you're in New York and then all of a sudden you're on 3rd Street Promenade, which for those who aren't in L.A., that's like, you know, one of our major streets in L.A. where you have street performers, you yeah. have all the big famous stores, and you have, you know, fountains that look pretty and lighting and music. And it's all
2: really things. all about, I think when you're doing art, like are you doing or are you not doing, you know? Like people come up to me and ask me, writers or or art, new artists, and go, "Like, how do I get?" I'm Like, man, I really want to do it. I'm just like, "Are you doing it like every day, like all day long?" I'm not like I don't want to be a numbers guy, but I don't think I've ever written an album without writing a hundred songs. And you don't have to tell, like, again, it's not that 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 many songs is going to get you a hit. It's just that the type of person that will write that many songs is probably eventually going to have a song that's going to do really well. And so the promenade to me was just time. It was like that's development that was my grad school that was my um what do you call it when doctors go residency
0: did you have a day job
2: no i made all my money out there i paid my rent from being a street performer
0: wow how much were you making i sorry so to ask in the that, beginning
2: that. no it's fine in the beginning it was just me and my roommate and we sang harmony his name's devin and we would sing harmony and he was really he he was really good at following me he, he taught me how to sing harmony. And we'd go out there, and that was like our shtick. So we were good enough at singing a Jimmy Eat World song. <laughs> uh, and so you it, were
0: just roommates, and you were like, we should go out. We there. should go out. Yeah, yeah.
2: We should just do it. And so we went out, and we, we found that like if we sang a bunch of songs and then closed with this Jimmy Eat World song, um, I don't even remember the name of it right now, but the harmony was tight enough that people would throw a couple bucks in. And so usually, after like a six hour stint of singing, there'd be $300 in the case, and we'd each get 150 bucks. And that was like as good as doing some crappy waiting job. But we were singing and we were like connecting and we're seeing like my voice sounds good here. This How does your work.
0: voice hold up? I know that's like a stupid question, yeah. but like how do you sing for six hours a day and not just like, if I like sing for six hours a day? Fully teaching I would be me how. I learned how to
2: sing from just nonstop singing out, outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened was he moved because he wanted to go start an internet company, which is crushing now. And I stayed. And that next year, because I was out there for about four years, so the first year was just with him. Second year was me alone with ha- without harmony, which was very brutal. Because I realized I lost this sticky thing, and uh, nobody cared. So like long days of playing, going like, okay, that's not working. And
0: what were you making in there? Like fifty bucks a day? sad
2: amounts. Yeah, petty uh, like pity pity dollars would get thrown in as people walk by. Um, and then I started. It's like slowly developing. I remember trying different covers and tried a Michael Jackson cover and someone actually came up to me and was like, you seem like a nice guy. Like, don't, that's not a good one for you. No (laughs) way. Like the, the, the offhand comments when you're out street performing of people trying to be nice to you, like to really tell you how it is, gets you very, that was another part of the grad school was just learning how to just take, just take shit from people, you know? Like you're just taking shit. Wow. as you're learning how to get your voice good it's the, it's the best school I would say for a songwriter or for an artist is to just be out on the street you're literally doing it all day long you're watching people walk by and how they are viscerally reacting to what you're doing so someone would walk by and I'm playing like hey there Delilah was big at that time and they're like eh that's okay but you like, you can re- you start to read off them that like that's a song that's a hit right now but that's not your lane and then I remember singing Sunday Morning by Maroon 5 and everybody stopped. And I'm like, "Okay, I got one thing that's not my song that is actually doing something." And then slowly you piece together these things, and I, you know, my first album is basically me trying to write Sunday Morning 12 times. Yeah. And you just you find your vo- I kind of found my voice and and what was working through uh, all this market research of people walking by. It was pretty cool.
0: The First hit is, you know, when is got to keep your head up, right?
2: Oh, yeah. You were asking about the book.
0: Well, because I think this is important. I think when you hear that song, yeah, you can envision walking by the guy in on the street singing that song
2: totally. So that's a mixture of. So uh, uh, around that time, I had also just been studying and gobbling up as much information about songwriting as I possibly could. Because there is this weird thing about songwriting. It's it's very much um, just inspiration. But then I'm like, especially writing with someone like you, there's a lot of like math and structure and rules that you either decide you're going to break in this moment or you're going to use the rules to try and help you write a better song. And I remember going by a bookstore and just like, I was obsessed like how do you write the best song? And I bought a book on songwriting and it was like uh, people love opposites because they already know what's coming. So you got to keep your head up. Uh, You know what's coming. And if you can make it interesting, right? You got to keep your head up but you can let your hair down. That's like the dumbest, simplest line but also there's a lot going on in there, right? It's like kind of smart. And then I also think that you add... An uplifting song, the, the most important thing of any song that's uplifting is that there's pain in it because nobody just wants to be uplifted. They want to feel that you care. And so that was like a, a perfect, um, I don't know, convergence of a bunch of different things. And people still come up to me to this day and tell me what that, that that song, like. I don't know, lightens their load a little bit. And it makes me so happy. That's like a magic trick that you're able to create a sound that like goes into somebody and makes them feel a certain way.
0: I mean, that's math too. It's math, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, as much as poetry is math, the iambic pentameter, which is, you know, or using any sort of Shakespearean poetry, that's all math. Yeah. You know, how many syllables do you use in this line? How many syllables do you use in that line? And and how does that structure work? And how do you keep someone, you know, like uh, someone I'm sure will tweet this at us, but there's (laughs) like a, um, in, Womanizer for Britney Spears is like a a super unique use of that that kind of number, and there's an actual name for that kind of like like eleven over four kind of measures, and like I don't know whoever wrote it like thought of that or studied it in school or whatever it was, or it's just a coincidence. Probably just a coincidence, but all of its numbers, yeah, you know, and I think that that even if it's an emotional thing like i i think i write from a real genuinely emotional place i really think i'm an emotional writer sure i think that i know certain things that will help that emotion shine better by playing with your your instincts and your the you, you, like you said the ins- human instinct when you say you got to keep your head up you know what the next line is about to be give or take totally and so, there's the same sort of thing of like using dissonance and resolving it on the next line, or using, you know, resolving something, and then moving to dissonance. That stuff is the same math. It's that's, just listen it's just through audio.
2: And going back to this idea of like, you know, being afraid to co write, or, you know, should I do it by myself? One of the things that's been so cool about learning how to still hold on to my uh, point of view while mm-hmm. co writing is learning all of this, these tri- like, tricks. Is there any book you would rec- recommend that has the most together? I have no idea.
0: Right? I I mean I know that there's like some stuff that even I read and I remember there's, you know, you know, there's like I read some guy's book who maybe had a song that went top 40 at some point and it was like a thing where he was talking about making sure your lyrics aren't too smart. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Man, that sucks." It's just so uninspiring. And I think, you know, what you get with the Alanises or what Julia Michaels is doing is like, you can use multisyllabic words. Totally. And it's totally okay. And what you get from Katy Perry is that your lines don't have to rhyme. So, any book that I've ever
2: read about songwriting, I've had to sift through so much bullshit to get a couple little nuggets of like, oh, you know what? That's actually useful and that's cool. But a lot of times it's just like, I don't agree. Yeah. But that, I'm so glad that I still do it. And research it because then you get these right. little things. That you're like, oh, okay, for my book that I'll eventually one day write, like that's that's useful. Or I'll keep that. Well, and I've that learned get- a lot from you. To just be honest, like a lot of melodic tendencies that I really appreciate have come from being in a room with you, going like, oh yeah, well, I would have. I. W-. It's this balance, right? Like as as a hopefully as a successful at least pop writer, you have to continually going back and forth. Like no, nah, it just feels awesome. It just feels great. Right. But if you just go with just feels great, I think you are cutting yourself short for how special something can be.
0: If you go by it just feels great, my fear is that it won't stand long enough. It'll be more like that that you know, being tipsy kind of thing where it's like it's there and it's fun right now, but in the long run you'll figure it out that it wasn't it's it doesn't and sometimes there's no it. hard and fast rule. Sometimes it will. Sometimes that just does work. But I think when is it when is it happen that there was? And I'm I mean I'm I know that there are eras that are different. But right sure. now, like what's a song right now that that sounds like it just feels like something mm. just happened? Like if you listen to that Bruno Mars album, there's not a note or a word that is by accident.
2: It's all very specific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know. I mean, like even the Jay Z album, like. This last one, whatever. Like, there's not like, there's nothing by accident. Even totally. even something that's freestyling, like, you know. I mean, when
2: you're choosing, when you're choosing, because um, as a songwriter, like, you're just consistently uh, coming up, like, at another fork in the road. To me, that's what songwriting is. You're like, oh, where are we going to go? Right here. And I think that you need as many tools in your <laughs> in your belt to be like, well, what feels like I'm supposed to go? Like, my tendency would be to go this direction. And then getting better at understanding why why you're going that direction I think leads to overall better songs. Sure. Right. And you're someone who who will consistently stop the, the flow of a session and be like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you'll like stroke your beard. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like, is this where we want to go? Or are we just uh, like, why are we going down this road? Right. And I think that the more that you're capable of, of doing that when it's necessary as a writer is such a such a valuable tool
0: it's okay and it's like it, it's okay to justify the road you're going down yeah just tell and me just, why just like let's make sure that we we exhaust other options totally to and see I think a, this is the best I think a that, 22 yeah.
2: year old Andy would be like dude
0: why are you stopping the flow
2: yeah you're annoying.
0: I don't like uh, writing with you. I hated me. <laughs> I hated me. I yeah. hated me. Yeah. For so long, I'd be in sessions with, the, I'd be like, I just want to finish the song. Let's just write the song. Maybe it's great. Who knows? And I will say some things, because some things need to, like, here's, here's something that when you say like the song about the rookie song, yeah. and you're like, well, you still haven't released it, mm-hmm. you know? By letting a song, by having a song that can last 10 years before releasing it, you now can revisit it and decide whether or not those, those were mistakes. Sure. And when you're on the promenade performing every day, you can actually test, oh yeah, you know, this section isn't great. Sure. I could beat this section. Yeah. And when you're in a session where you're supposed to finish a song in 24 hours or 48 hours, if you are not surrounded by people who are going to quickly go through what you would learn after playing 50 times, sure. you're in the wrong rooms. Totally. Like You want to be surrounded by people who are like, nah, you could beat that. You want the guy who's like, you know what? That cover, not good.
2: Okay, so defining moment for, as a writer for me. Uh-huh. I'm on the promenade and there's this guy who I'm going to guess is homeless he's pretty drunk he's walking past me I'm playing to you know three people and I'm singing and I've been out there for four years so this guy you know I'm, I have connections now with the people that live on the street and they know who I am and they've heard me and they've seen me which is a sweet thing for the rest of my life just as far as homelessness goes because I I see someone and I'm like I remember I've built a uh, connections with these people you're not just like some homeless person you're dave and we've had conversations <laughs> and i'm like waiting for a two o'clock spot and you're here so like what's up where are you from what's your life like and this guy's walking past me and he goes he's drunk and he goes like yeah you are right you need hooks though <laughs> you ain't got no hooks and again going back to what i said like the only time that uh criticism hurts is when you know it's true and at that point in 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 my history like i didn't have hooks and I were being like, "Shit, you know what, my man? Like, you're correct. I don't have hooks, and I need to freaking figure this out. I need to really like Genius study stuff. hooks and get into like why, like what, what makes a hook, and and get into some of this. You know,
0: I mean, and some of that also shows that the people who are walking on promenade and anybody who's on the street, like any." and not homeless on the street but like anybody who's out in the, the let's say the muggles yeah <laughs> like the non music industry sure. writers they are experts in listening to music totally the only things that they've done their whole life is eat food and so, they're probably experts in the quality of food, or at least understand, like, oh, this tastes good, this burger's well done, this burger's over salted, this, you know, like they've had enough food in their life sure. that they can be experts in that. They can do that about pretty much that, and they can do that with music. You, you know, there's nothing else that if you need 10,000 hours of something to be an expert, Every Everybody human we know expert, has yeah. probably listened to 10,000 hours of music, whether they totally. meant to or not. Yeah. So, like, when people look down on popular music in any way, what they're missing is that, no, those people who are listening, they don't. There are other people, there are other singles that major labels have pushed that did not work because the populace didn't like it. Yeah. And because the populace is smart. Yeah, they're much smarter than we give them credit for, and I hate when people think to dumb stuff down because you are like, no, 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 you don't understand. The populace is is really pretty wise. They yeah. listen to more music than you give them credit for, and they're the guy who's on the street. He's like, no, you should do more hooks. Like, you need more hooks. Need
2: hooks, bro. How did he say? It? Oh, he <laughs> <laughs> stumbled around and it got in that guy. That shit got in. I still remember that it like co- hit me at my core, and I was like, you're right because at this because I was doing more of like what um again, I don't want to sound like too academic, but I was just writing from a place of like, let me just see what comes out. Mm-hmm. and I think that it doesn't have to be um, like uninspired if if what totally. you're doing is is also being smart about your craft and learning and studying, and you know, so I, a lot of times I'll just listen to the radio and it's it's not. I'm not just like, joint, like bumping it or the Spotify playlist. I'm, I'm listening to like, okay, so what is working? Why is this? It's one of my favorite things to do, especially yeah. with my wife. We'll sit, both as writers, and be like, why is this working? What the hell's going on? That's awesome. Or that pre was crazy. Did you see how that pre like set up? What yeah. was going to come? You know, and then like, oh, the post came out. Of, you know, like that is one of my favorite past.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: Do you think that being married to somebody who understands song composition has made you a better writer? Has it made you a wary what writer? Does she have like say in whether songs are singles or not?
2: Um, I I care what she thinks for sure. Like I like uh I like it when she likes it. Yeah. Uh, but we have sometimes we have like different opinions on what we both like.
0: Sure. So
2: and she got it
0: she's gotta hear it when she comes to your show so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no
2: I, I really respect her opinion yeah you know,
0: it's important um well you know one of the things about being inspired for you that's that's interesting is like you manage to use concepts that are universal but aren't what I don't know like they're they're so positive mm-hmm. like it's so important for you to have positivity positivity in your lyrics and yeah. in your songs yeah and there's nobody else who does that so consistently like were you always conscious about not having an antagonist in your songs like how did the how did did you get to being like you know what I'm gonna write songs my angle is going to be I'm gonna write positive songs
2: so like uh, they asked I remember listening to the live Jerry Seinfeld album when I was growing up they asked him like why don't you ever curse and he's like it doesn't work for me he's like i'm a slave to what works and it doesn't work for me to, to say fuck in this joke like it's not it doesn't look good on me it doesn't work on me my opinion of how of like the reason that we're here in life is just not like you're, you're probably not going to hear me sing a song that's like you're the worst you fucked me i just don't operate really in that zone so when I try to write personal stuff, it usually comes out this way.
0: Well, and it doesn't mean that it's like, it does, you know, something like Honey, I'm Good doesn't say, like, I'm a saint. No. You know, like, it no. doesn't, you know, like, the, I, what I like about it is that you found a way to have edge in the songs it's that have almost been most like a, no, It's almost like
2: the other edge. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. like, you have, if, if you have this spectrum of colors, right, and say that, like, yellow, bright yellow's here and, like, dark black is all the way on the other side, Everyone has all those feelings. Um, for some reason, what's very interesting to me is like, how do you write yellow in a way that's cool? That's really hard to do. When people do it, we all as a culture freak out and love it, right? You have a song like Happy. And when that comes on, who's not, who doesn't want that? That's the best, right? But it's really, really hard to do, to do it in a way that doesn't feel um, insincere. But I know that we all are happy at times. Like everybody, ha- that's a true emotion that we have. But I think maybe it's, it's in like, we're living through like s- pretty severely cynical times and to actually get one through that feels sin- like honest and sincere and doesn't throw up a red flag that like this guy's a joke. What is this? I can't. This is like cheesy, not real stuff.
0: Like, I mean good to be alive is I know,
2: like to it's actually like
0: so hard to be to, so hard to do that again. So
2: hard to to get it through. <laughs> uh, who someone was like joking with me that like when you when you get to like the border and they like they check like if you have any contraband. <laughs> like that's like trying to get a positive song across. It's like, is there is there some bullshit you're trying to like are you trying to make me inspired? Is there like uh is there some like godly stuff? What are you doing? What's happening in here? And you still have to like slip it through. Uh, but the truth is that everybody does need those things, right? We all experience those. It's just another emotion. And I also do genuinely believe that, like, we are tested to grow. So even when you have a song about struggle or strife or things that are going really shitty in your life, I my genuine opinion on that is that that you will grow from that. So that's kind of like a through line through a lot of my a lot of my stuff.
0: Where do you get that philosophy?
2: I was raised a Baha'i which is probably, you know, there's like a lot of writings about that in the Baha'i faith, Um, which is just like a world religion based on the idea of all the unity of the religions. So maybe having that, my family, I don't know. You know, I just kind of grew up, I'm also just a fairly positive dude. Like, you know, I I just did this 23andMe thing. You ever done that? No.
0: What's that? With the
2: genetic test?
0: Oh, I haven't done that. Yeah.
2: And then we took it to someone who like analyzed it and they're like, Oh yeah, someone like you with the genes you have are usually like pretty positive and going, I'm like, whoa, wait, what? I've been right. taking credit for this. So yeah. I think there is something about like it's just a little bit of who like my purpose
0: and who I am. You've gone through some issues, you know, like with things in your life. You lost your mom. Do yeah. you feel like it was um, do you feel like she listens to your music now? Do you sing songs to her?
2: First of all, it was the most important event in my career. To have my mom pass away, which is such a weird mind fuck to even say, but I'm a totally different guy artist if I, if that doesn't happen. I think that like as a guy that's out there singing positive songs, if you don't have true struggle, truly something that takes you to your knees, nobody wants to hear. Uh, keep your head up, from from just a guy, right. you know. And I was also, like I said, like I think I just had a fairly easy upbringing and things came fairly easy to me. And I've always kind of been the dude that's like happy. And I remember seeing people that were sad and not truly being able to relate. I was the guy that would come up to you in high school and be like, come on, what's the deal? What's, what are you sad about? Like, right. like, let me cheer you up with no real true compassion. So to get kicked in the balls like fully all the way down to like, I get it. Now I understand, like, just walking around Los Angeles totally messed up, tears in my eyes on a daily basis was, like, the most important thing as someone that's going to go and try and be uplifting. Because you you lose some of the shine there that is very necessary to try and sing some of these songs.
0: It definitely gives you empathy. I mean, but you for have everybody, because you yeah. just see everybody's, like...
2: You can see. You can see when yeah. someone's really messed up, you go, like, I get it, which is really important.
0: You know? Did you ever feel like the victim like in, in any of it? Like I could also see that the other, you know, as much as there's that if you go from being the guy who's like, Man, how is it how are you upset with life? I was Come literally on. that guy. How annoying yeah. is
2: that guy? Yeah. That guy's the worst. Yeah.
0: But you, because like why would you you know, if I you have had, I hadn't
2: had things. So like when my mom passed away, I was literally the quiet guy at the table.
0: How did you not go with like, like the, the dinner why? table? I'd be like just quiet. Didn't you get into like a why me? does not you not you then little bit of a little bit of a little of the little You could,
2: but again, having been a the way I, that I was raised, and just I, I knew kind i of inherently that it of you grow from things like this. Yeah, you know, I've always um, like an analogy of like you know the best catch you can make in baseball is the one that like robs somebody of a home run. But oh, what yeah. that looks like right before the catch is like, oh, uh, it's not gonna like. You have to run so far, and you have to jump and climb up the wall. It's like the craziest thing, and then you make the catch. And eventually, if they if you were asked, like, yeah, that's what makes the dope catch is like, you have to have a ball that's hit so far, right? So I,
0: have kind of, I don't know. You, and the flip side is like you when you show the face of the guy who almost hit the home run, it's like it's a really sad play yeah, for totally. that guy totally. you know, it's like it's hard to hit a home run and, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's yeah. like when you get robbed of it, it's <laughs> robbed and you're like, "Fuck, oh, totally. man totally.
2: so I think you're just always <laughs> I've been blessed to hopefully see life through the eyes of eat, test make you stronger and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like a spiritual idea or just kind of something that's, that came inherently but yeah
0: how much do you use spirituality in your songwriting?
2: I really think that there are laws to the universe and I think that any time that you touch on one of those laws, that's what makes everybody go like, "Oh, totally, me as well." Like when you're when you're driving the car and you hear something on the radio, um, to explain it, I've used it so many times. But the idea of like Newton wrote out what gravity was—it's a law. He wrote out. He explained gravity. He just see it. He he, actually he, like, he wrote it yeah. down. He was the first one to write it down, and then everybody reads it, and they all go like, "Shit, dude, this is happening to me, literally all day long, every day." You super nailed it, and I think any great pop song has that in it. Yeah. someone writes it down in a way something that we're all going through, all everybody's experiencing, and then the songwriter writes it out and sings it to you and then there's this huge overwhelming feeling of we're all in this together somebody understands me unity all this spe- like it floods over you when when someone through the radio or through spotify sings your experience it sings one of the laws that we're all going through it feels euphoric you
0: love it you can't get enough of it now, there's like that half is, that and then there's half like the envy attached to like, damn, I wish I wrote that. No, but most of the, <laughs> I know, I know, but most of the, yeah. most of the people that no, are hearing it course. don't
2: feel that. Right. As a writer, anytime you hear someone who's caught it, you're like, oh, yeah, it was right there. We're all dealing with it all the time. And you said it in the way that, that we all, that I should have yeah. said it, yeah. you know? That that to me is the most fun part of songwriting is tr- is when I get one of those or when I even think that I'm approaching one of those in the room I'm like uh, oh, I can feel like if I just if I could just say this correctly I'm gonna get this law right. You know?
0: um, do you read philosophy in order to get like where do you get the ideas from? Do they just pop in your head? I mean I think y- you're always
2: writing down little things that pop in your head like mm-hmm. no- notes wise. Um, a lot comes from my life mostly.
0: Do you get um do, in a family of writers and Grammy nominated writers yeah. even, like do you guys get envious of each other ever? Is that uh, a weird
2: question? Well me and my dad are
0: Is that, like very... an offensive question. No, it's a great question. It's real. <laughs> yeah, totally.
2: I think um I think you just have to be very uh specific when you're talking to each other about like what what you want when you want critiquing or uh anytime like any conversation that has to do with songwriting is very specific that's all it is so me and my wife like she'll show me a song and she'll be like what do you think of this i only want to know about the baseline i don't want to hear what you have to say about anything else or else we're going to fight i'm like totally <laughs> so she plays for me i'm like i don't like that baseline or i love that baseline that's great and then you leave it at and that and then i leave it at that which oh, is a man. bold How do you do move. That? dude
0: i know it's crazy cuz i'd be like i'd be like okay yeah i don't know if i like the baseline
2: <gasps> right? the- or, or, or I'll ask her, like, you know, like, I'll freak. ask her and I'll be like, you know, the, just the bridge. Everything else is done. We all agree that we love, yeah. the, we love the song, just the bridge. And then you can see it like pain on her face, but she just tells me just what she thinks of the bridge, you know? Yeah. Same thing. Uh, and then you need people in your life that are just no holds bar. You know, me and my manager, Ben, we go at it. We, we like don't mince words. It's just like exactly what you think when you hear a song. And yeah. don't worry, it, we don't have time to waste. When you're writing as many songs as we write, there's no time to be like, um, I feel like the, the you know, the beat here is pretty cool. Like, we don't do that. He just goes like, I, I don't like this. I hate this.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it, he's an interesting guy. Which I really I,
2: appreciate, I, and I work really he's well like,
0: with. he's your real, in a way, he's He's the the third co writer in the room or always. the second co writer or fourth yeah. co or however yeah. many people there's always your manager. Yeah. You know, you guys have gone through this stuff together. I don't know if I know of another artist who
2: has that relationship. Who has that relationship
0: mm. or where even the co writers understand that relationship. Yeah. You know, where it's like whatever it's kind happens of cool, here,
2: like Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing to have this like um, especially as a guy, I'm starting to get better at it but as a guy who's like happy and fairly people uh, to have a manager that is the that is not necessarily like that has been really really helpful and useful And I think that I've we, we both have probably come more towards the middle of our of the, what the other person is as we've as we've grown together we've been together for like eight years now. Um, so now I don't think his job has to be as much just like harsh this is terrible as it used to be because I'll kind of do it when it needs to be that way anyway. Um, but it's good. You need to have people that really, really, really keep you honest.
0: Did you ever want to write with other people or other art? Sorry, for other artists, like with other artists. I think because like when you yeah. have for you, so much of it is about a lyric being positive, yeah, and about you know what's going on with your life. But I think the, the more the, like fun? the more specific
2: you get, it always means for everybody else too. Right? No,
0: that's for sure. But n- more reason why you know. One of the cool parts of not being an artist, yeah, is that you can just jump in a room and be like, "Today, my job is to help you know you tell your story totally, and you can go into a whole world that isn't yours."
2: I definitely see myself doing a lot of that eventually. Right now, I'm still just like, um, "There's so many aspects of being like I don't know how you do it, you you do you have a bunch of different aspects as well." But the idea of just being a writer to me is a little bit claustrophobic. Like I I love. I think it almost like a kitchen or something like like a restaurant. Like I love the time it takes in the back coming up with like what the new thing is that I'm going to serve everybody. But then I equally love sending it out and serving it to everybody and seeing how they react and all this different stuff. And yeah. being the guy that goes on the road and has been to Boston 27 times. And like I, I love that piece. Is that how too. many
0: times you've been to Boston? At
2: least and probably more. Yeah. You know, each city that you go to, you make these relationships and you have fan bases in different I mean, we just got back from Australia and everybody was it was awesome. Do you and, like
0: touring?
2: I love it. I think that there's a fallacy around touring and family that if you just stayed home, everything would be fine. Like, I need it. I work correctly. Like, the way that I'm made needs to, like, randomly have coffee in the morning in Oregon. (laughs) Like, like that, I need that much stimulation. I love it. It keeps me going. And, like, right now, I'm kind of doing, like, almost like firefighter hours where, like, I'll go away and do a couple shows. And then I'll come back and hang with my daughter and my wife like exclusively for like three or four days, and then I'll run out and do something else. And like I, that's kind of the way that I I work
0: the best. What's the dream scenario? Like where do where can your career go now? Now, like where do you want it to go? What's like? Do you sit here and think like? Are you so much? Whatever's happening right now is what's happening right now, or do you think like my goal is to go and? I think you
2: just like. You're only ha- happy when you're growing. So wherever that is, does that mean... Like, I just went and saw Coldplay. Have you seen Coldplay?
0: Uh, I mean, I've seen them at, like, iHeart's... I, you know, seen cold, I, I just seen. went and saw uh,
2: Coldplay at uh, the Rose Bowl. Yeah. 60,000 people. There's plenty of room for growth. <laughs> 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 like, in all areas, there's rooms to keep, yeah. to keep growing and getting the show more incredible, getting more of these laws that hopefully everybody that are pop songs and it's it, I still feel like super passionate that there's like plenty of ways to, to to grow that I love yeah
0: I mean you know the new album the good parts I think what's what's so exciting about that song in particular yeah and the idea of it being that you know it, this is how you are in real life it's like you don't like having conversation, surface conversations Yeah. you're not good at that like the minute that that you're in the room, you will go straight towards like, let me go and see if I can get to the jugular. I feel like like, like right yeah. away you're like, I want to have the real conversation, and you're like, I want to like, well, like let's yeah. order the cake pops first. Let's
2: order the cake pops first. But I, I think even in our like friendship, I've pushed you pretty far. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think
0: I've pushed you pretty far too, dude. Totally. You, you love it.
2: It's my favorite.
0: Um, does it scare you? You always talk about going to the fence. Yeah. You're like, or like, go past it or whatever. And you're like, you want to have no walls. You want to have like your best case scenario is everybody just like is is just like <laughs> I, crying, I genuinely, laughing, yeah, and yeah. crying I, all the time. I
2: genuinely think that um, that it's a pretty crazy thing just to be alive, and that we are all a little bit too used to how things are, and that the more that you think about like just being alive is awesome and insane and we all like settle into our normal days and our work days but like it's nuts man it's an unbelievable place to be and there's like so many um rich ways rich conversations to be had that for some reason there's barriers to get to them and i don't exactly know why and so i like to try and push those but well,
0: why do you think there are barriers
2: i think it's just the more vulnerable you get it's like a little uncomfortable like i i invited you to the to my birthday party yeah. Right where, where we just told stories about my mom passing away with sixty close friends, and I cried miserably in front of all of you as I told the story of my mother. And like I like pushing, uh, pushing each relationship to the furthest part. So some of those people were just writers that I had just had a good experience with in uh, in a room, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'd love to push our relationship to like a little bit further. And so I invited you, invited a bunch of people, we came, and I'm like, let me tell you the deepest, craziest shit about my life. And I and then, then the the interactions that come from that just happen to be much deeper than like you open up to me about stuff and we like. It just, are there things yes.
0: that you that you haven't gotten to? I'm
2: sure, I'm sure there are. You know, like the I think that on this album I've gone deeper than I've ever gone, and trying like the deeper you go and and uh, and still somehow be able to find what's what is unified that everybody like everybody has in their experience. That's like where I'm passionate about trying to get to right now.
0: What did you write that you kind of feel like, or when you wrote it, you were like, I don't know if I want this out there.
2: Uh, There's a song called Civil War that I wrote, um, which is kind of a a little bit of an angry song at God, which is like, if you created me, um, why would you make me a civil war? Like any, and insert anybody's vice that they have. Like you knew that I was gonna struggle through all this. So like what if you ha- if you were the one that was making it, you're making me? Why? What's the freaking point? You know?
0: What's your vice? Uh plenty
2: of vices, man. Just like uh, you know, sincerely, I think that I wish I prayed more, like everybody else. Uh eat too much sugar.
0: What 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 does that mean? You wish you prayed more? Uh yeah.
2: Do you do you have any desire to be more? morally better, spiritual,
0: any of this stuff? Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think praying has anything to do with it. Sure. I don't know how to pray. You ever tried? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm a, I am grew up being Jewish. So, like, I mean, I've been to places where they're like, hey, now's when you pray and you say some shit to this thing. Yeah. And you go and you say things. And I don't feel more fulfilled with that. Totally. I feel more fulfilled having this conversation and, like, and talking about life. Sure. Than I do from sitting there being like, I still think this is not, you know, it's like I, I'm, I'm just getting into the idea of meditating. Yeah. And in a sense, That's meditating great. the idea of like, just breathe and be present. Yes. But the being present is almost the exact opposite of what I think praying is. Interesting. Like, I think praying is like, is a little bit of like, uh, what it takes to write a song as far as like, you go somewhere that you're not really at all the time. Mm. Like, it's like almost like, it's almost like manufacturing a dream. I wish this was the case. Please do this because this would be wonderful if this were this fictitious world Mm. is what, where we were. To me. But in reality, I don't think it pushes myself in that direction versus like, if I'm right here, right now, then. I can help fulfill getting Andy as cake pop. I know that sounds stupid, but rather than you wishing for it, I can be like, you know what? Let's figure out how to do this. Yeah. Like, I like that. I like touching it. Totally. I don't like the. Idea I, but of I think praying. a lot of
2: times the words uh, have different meaning for everybody else. I think that praying is like whatever you decide. I think that like sitting in a room alone with your hands crossed, that could be praying. Or it could be like reading uh, a spiritual text that you think is awesome that like connects you to something or even just sitting there quietly like you're saying, like meditating. To me, it's like, are you um, consistently trying to get better? I think, I think that in my life I've had, I've been in periods where I'm like in really good spiritual shape and then other periods where I'm not, right? And I think we can all feel that through like, uh, if you just use the physical, like I've had periods of my life where like I was crushing the gym and other periods where I wasn't. And I think that there's like, that I deal with that in my life.
0: Are you in a good spiritual place right now? Yeah. I think I'm pretty good right
2: now. I'd say out of ten, I'd give myself like a seven.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. Where are the last three? Um I don't know. I
2: think just uh just consistency, like trying to consistent consistently be connected, kind of like you know what you're saying, in different ways. And I think that we as a society are pretty anti like no, we're a little anti-religion, anti-spirituality, like I'll just do my own thing. But then we also just need to figure out like, okay, so how are we gonna be um, where are we learning these techniques on how to be better people? That's what I care the most about. Is like how are you spend how do we, where where do you spend time to like learn that, you know?
0: Where where do you spend time to
2: That's out? it's like up oh, it's up for debate, right? But for me, that that's when it comes down to like just being cognizant of it and trying, trying every day.
0: Just being a new father has
2: have- yeah totally because you know that this little girl is going to do things based on how i am so i think maybe you're catching me at a time where i'm like a little bit more aware of it yeah. cuz i know my dad or my parents i'd look to them and go like okay cool you told me something but i'm just watching how you're doing it so i'm a little bit that's like and i wrote a song wrote some songs about her on the next record i'm I, yeah i'm very like
0: when did An you realize story. that your your parents weren't all knowing? Uh I don't know. A it's expression. a weird. It's a weird thing. Like when you start to figure out that oh shit. Yeah, they don't know everything. Humans.
2: Yeah,
0: and like they, you know, my parents were younger than I am now, and they had me, and I remember yeah. them my age. Yeah, you know, I don't have any kids, but I remember my parents being my age. I was old enough at that point. Yeah, you know, and it's like wow. Humans are so and and my parents have been very good parents but there's no doubt that like humans are totally unqualified to have other humans <laughs> you know <laughs> totally. and like as you get older you're like oh my god well why crazy. did my parents do this they are nuts yeah it's very scary when you realize that your parents are really just normal humans and the second that just, you have a kid
2: you really, you really realize that you're like oh my god
0: yeah. yeah let's we can lighten it up a little bit and go to uh I'm gonna list five people okay you're just going to tell me the first thing that comes off the top of your head. Okay. Rachel Platten,
2: um my artist sister. She's like my she's like my sister in the music business and I love her deeply. John Mayer took me from jock to musician, which was a a strong thing to do because I was a very jock guy. Letter jacket, the whole thing. The only thing that mattered in my life was basketball. And then Room for Squares, like, rocked me hard. And I was like, maybe not. He loosened the grip on Jock for me. I thought I wanted to go to college play basketball. And not that I was good enough to do that, but that was, like, my mindset. And he shifted it.
0: Did you go to college? Yeah. Where'd you go?
2: Went to Binghamton for two years for acting. What? What? Uh, was okay at it. Got the lead in a couple shows, but would always be writing songs, like, outside of the rehearsal. And then I moved to L.A. and did, a. Uh, music industry at Northridge.
0: Okay, is that and that's where you met Asia then?
2: That's where I met Asia, yeah.
0: Oh, how about that? Yeah, pretty cool. That all makes sense. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I'm in Northridge, I might as well drive down to San Monica.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, while I was going to school, I did some of the street performing as well. Huh. The day I got my degree... I walked across the stage and then like went straight to the street.
0: Do you still want to act? I mean, musicians have a history of... I'm
2: down. It's just like there's only so much time right now. So my main passion is still just like writing the best I mean, you seen ever.
0: like The Rock. The Rock does like 50 I don't things. know how he I mean, does it. There's got to be it's a way insane. to get Andy Grammar on that. I know. I mean, when you do the Today Show... Yeah. That's kind of
2: silly and fun to do, to just kind of...
0: How did you become the guy who does the Today Show? They
2: asked me to do it and I was like, all right, sure.
0: And then they just loved
2: it. And then they was like, now I've done it a couple times. It's kind of fun. Ben Singer. My partner in all of it. Yeah.
0: Um, do you question him?
2: Yeah. What's great about someone like Ben is he just brings the intensity up. So like anytime you make a piece of art, or you write a song, you wrote it. You think it's good. And you have a a feeling about it that like, this is my thing, you know? Like there's a reverence around it that you made it. if someone goes like, "Do you want to go to battle? do you want to fight for that? That's a different thing. Do I want to stake my reputation on this thing? Right. I don't know about that. Right. right. But then there are times where I'm like, "Yeah, I do. I know this, And just like that level of intensity really helps bring out the best in people. And so I wish a Ben singer on everybody.:
0: I love Ben. I think he's a great yeah. manager for you, and I think he's yeah. a great manager period. I think he's really good at um fighting for his artists totally like tooth and nail yeah, he's, he's fair great. yeah you know he's stingy, you know he also like he's fair. <laughs> he also taught me we'll go with frugal but he's fair
2: like a real true partner um you can go you can stretch the rubber band farther like if if i think that you if i truthfully trust that you're not saying something to be right or for any ulterior motive except that you want it to be great then mm. we can have like really interesting conversations Because I believe that you're not just pulling a power trip or trying to get your way, right? And that's special. I also wish that on everybody. He's super honest. Yeah.
0: Steve Greenberg, your A and R guy.
2: Greenberg is like he has a knack for um, finding the things that work. He's like he's got he's got this weird little thing inside him that knows when something's big, and there's nothing you want more in your life than Steve to know that what you have is big. Yeah because he's right usually.
0: Okay, next. Ian Kirkpatrick.
2: Ian Kirkpatrick is like I always know I'm trying to think of a word to, to say it, but like I always know you're you have a chance at, at something fucking massive when you're with that guy. I don't always get it, but I know that the opportunity is like very possible cuz yeah. he's he's a freak. Yeah, he really. He's is. a freak. And so what's so exciting is to and 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 also I think he compliments me really well because he has a lot of things that i don't necessarily have and so my opinion over his stuff makes for something cool
0: this is the idea of the art thing like i know if i write with him that there will be something artistic will come out of it yeah and i think the goal is still to walk away and be like that was that was a fun day and i think this song is unique
2: i also think that he's underrated in his um the little additions that he makes, like vocally,
0: as a writer, yeah, yeah he's a really good. So writer. So you like
2: you get into a room with him, and you think like, oh, he's like a, like the craziest track guy, but a lot of my favorite things are like little things that when I'm in the booth, where he'll be like, what if you sang it like a little like just ended it like this instead of like the way you did, and I always leave going like, oh, that's way better. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's amazing what one note will do. It's crazy. A lot of people just think it's like, I'll just sing it. Yeah. No, man. That that note is a choice. Yeah. That performance is a choice. Totally. What's advice you'd give to up and coming writers?
2: Think a lot about this. I think that uh, I think my my advice would be know your point of view and then be unapologetic in it. Like, know what you have to offer, uh, and then and then just don't be afraid that what you're doing might might be different because that's usually the coolest shit when you are the one that's different, you know. Write so much more than you talk about writing. Oh wow. That so those two things. Know your opinion and your point of view, and then write, actually be a writer way more than you are about like talking about writing. Write a hundred songs. That's like anybody that comes to me and says like how do I be like you, I'm like, listen, don't let's not even talk any further. Have you written a hundred songs? That will show me that you care and that you're a writer.
0: Go write a hundred. You when you said earlier when we were talking about Ben and you were like um well, would I stake my career on this? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> my my comment when people are like, "Hey, will you listen to my music or my cousin's music or my my daughter's music or whatever it is?" Yeah. Well, maybe daughter is a tough one. But for most of them I I usually say like, "Is is this something before I listen to it's this?" It's a
2: raw thing to do. <laughs> I know there's a flow in the way we're having yeah. conversation. I want to completely stop that. <laughs>
0: Totally. I want a full on. Yeah, and I want. I I want you to just stop for a second before you ask me to listen to your music because people will just forward it. Totally. People forward their emails to me or their their cousin's email, their friends of friends email, whatever, and say, "Hey, will you check this out?" Yeah. And my response to them is, "Have you heard it? Do you love it?"
2: like love
0: it. Is this something you would post on all your social media to mm. say you discovered it? Because if it's less than that, I don't want to hear it. Then I want an email saying no you don't have to listen to it. Totally. But if you make me listen to this and it isn't good, then I will now judge your yeah. your ability to hear music from now on. Totally. And it's not to say that, like, there are some So then I some
2: offer of, you, but I just want to check, like, because I love the Mike Karen one, and he seems like he listened to everything.
0: Yeah, right. M- where does, where do we land that? on that? Um, you know, I don't listen to everything because it helps to have a cosign. Yeah, you know, there's a reason why cosigning matters, and there's a reason why that stuff happens. It, you know, if if something's bubbling up enough, and enough people are like, take a listen to this. Eventually, of course. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, and you know, if it's sent to someone that I know and they and I trust them, I will listen to it. If somebody hasn't asked me to listen to music in 20 years of knowing them, and they say, "Hey, will you listen to this?" You know, I tend to listen to it because usually they don't ask me. But my first thing to them is is I just want you to go through the steps I have to go through. Totally. So before I have to write the email why I don't like it and the advice that I'm going to give you to forward on. I want you to listen to it first. And and I want you to be objective. You are an expert in listening to music. Yeah. And and some you'd be surprised how many people then come back and say, you know what, this probably isn't like, I don't know if this is really the quality that you're looking for or something like that. And I say, okay, thank you so much. Yeah. Keep me posted on the next thing you have. Totally. Because I'm willing to listen, but if you're going to ask me to listen to something i want it to be something that you feel proud enough that you would post on all your social media that you would have all your family post yeah. that you would go to as far as i would have to go in order to make it as big as i think it can be
2: yeah yeah it's just the, there's it, a level of intensity when you start getting at this level that has to be there just, it has and to and, be. and and everybody that like runs in the circle gets it you know.
0: The thing is if if you if you were a professional basketball player yeah. and you're a really good basketball player. I mean. But if you were if you were easy. If you were a professional basketball player and I was like, hey, do you want to look at my nephew play basketball? You'd be like, What? <laughs> I know. There is this there is And this, then you'd go and that was like, another thing that I learned from
2: the street that there is that was really good at such an early age to kind of dispel is that there is this feeling that like art can is kind of like um I don't know, hard to pinpoint what is working, what is, it's art, dude, it's art. But when you get on the street and you realize like, no, when I play this song, everybody stops. When I play all the other ones, they just keep walking. It's like really easy and you're out there and I'm watching you all do it. I play this one, everybody stops, I get more money in my case, I can see by dollars that you like when I do this one and you don't like when I do that one. Yeah, That's like really uh, an important thing to realize. And I think, okay, so let me ask you this. What's your take on all of the uh, data and how that's shaping, how, how people are releasing music. Ugh. You like it or you hate it?
0: Well, there's uh, I, on some level, you know, the whole don't bore us, get to the chorus thing sure. really is effective. But is the
2: new way to release music just like release the album and then see what everybody likes and then make that the single?
0: That will continue to evolve and it depends yeah. on what kind of artist you are. Sure. And it depends what you're aiming for. If, as long as your objectives are, if your objective is I want to have a Spotify hit. Sure. Then, yes, you're going, you should write accordingly. Totally. Which means that you need to avoid a skip rate by getting straight to the point. So crazy, early, right? If that's your goal. Now, I talk to labels and stuff a lot where I'm like, if you want a song from a professional writer and you're going to just throw it at Spotify, that or Apple or whatever, any DSP. Yeah. And. If that's what you consider being a single, then the minute you do that and you don't continue to push it because there's a high skip rate or you're not sure, I will most writers will probably not send you a song again because your inability to push beyond what whatever the initial playlisting is. Like radio is bigger than it's ever been. Mm. People can say what they want, but radio is bigger than it's ever been. And in L.A. right now, there are more than 10 times as many listeners at KISS than there are in all Spotify subscribers that are splitting who they're listening to. Interesting. So radio is still king. Totally, yeah. And it's... You know the goal for me is still to reach as many people as possible as a as a writer, and to have my the artist I write with to reach as many people. And that means, on some level, finding the media that hits as many people as possible. And that you may see a lot of streams, but a stream will count a lot earlier than someone has to finish the song. On radio, you don't get to choose. If I play something on on Kiss, your other option is amp. And once you get past that, you're like, I'm going to now look for a third station or do I just sit and finish the song? And is that good or bad? As a writer, I would I want to compete with those guys. Yeah. I want to win there. I want to write a song that that you are forced to listen to and that when you, when you're forced to listen to, you'll finish it. You finish it. And if I'm good at Do You think it's like a different listening.
2: A I, this is something I'm like very interested in right now. Like, is it, is the listenership different when you listen to the radio or when you listen to Spotify? Of course. Like how though? Like when Well, there you- are
0: two things. One is Spotify or, or playlisting as a whole. Yeah. So it's not just Spotify. But playlisting as a whole is basically your Tinder of music. Totally. You it, It's it's how people date now. It's everything else. It's, it's expendable. You just click onto the next one. You didn't invest any money into it really. And so we're just going to skip on to the next one. And even if you finish the song, I still didn't have to pay for it. So I'll skip on to the next one or I'll go back, whatever it is. But it's really expendable. Yeah. It's also, it, it speaks to a, a generation where their news feed is scrolled through. Yeah. Dude, I was, I so was playing songs for a young kid the like other day that. and he
2: just wasn't, oh, he was showing me songs and he wasn't even finishing songs. I'm like, do you ever finish songs? Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, not nah, really. Right. I'm like, Okay.
0: Some of that cool. I wonder is if it's composition. Sure. And some of it I wonder if it's if it's the media because the medium, because when you have something like like Hamilton having as many streams as it had, sure. that meant somebody went and listened through the two and a half hours of material because it's composed to be listened to sure. as such. Yeah. But when you're aiming for singles and you're aiming for volume. Not to say that it can't also be quality, but if you're aiming for volume, I'm going to listen to it like that. Yeah, and I'm going to listen to it with the intent that you don't even want me to finish this because you flew the choruses, you flew, you didn't even go and do ad libs at the end. I will know this. Yeah, and as a listener who's professional or not, you will pick it up. Yeah, I think
2: I don't think it's like shitty or cool or whatever. It's just interesting. It's just like fascinating. I yeah. love like listening going like okay so, well, yeah how do we how do you stay how do you keep this
0: but DSPs are they are your they're virgin they're tower records and those playlists are your end caps yeah right so you go into these things and you discover them and you look at the the artwork and you may even choose because of that. You may recognize the name. You may skip it entirely. You may flip through it. You may buy it. You may not.
2: Yeah. You know, it, if... In a writing room, are you caring about how it's going to go on on Spotify?
0: I think... Depending on who you're writing this with. This is so...
2: And it, as an artist, I'm like, I do care, but I care more that I get the proof. Like, what do you mean the proof? The life proof. Oh. Like, that's what I... Fir- that's my first of all that's all like that's the biggest thing is like do do you have the thing about life that is interesting to sing about which is the hardest I think to find and then from there it goes okay uh, how's this gonna you know as far as choosing singles which one's gonna work in which scenario and it's been interesting now to have a bunch of different types of songs that have done really well in different formats and sometimes I don't even know which format it's gonna work in I just know like I love that and I think that has a home you know
0: I mean you're going to have a different an artist gets to play shows and make money from that. Yeah. And an artist can make mo- and a label can make money from Spotify or from Apple at such with, with such a low entry rate of cash. They can make a serious amount of money in return. Why would they even go to radio? What is the logic for a record label to go to radio? They're going cuz they're promoting a brand and probably because they own some 360 aspect to that artist. Sure. So they're incentivized to go and build the brand and hit as many people as possible. Yeah. So that's why it's worth them going to radio for the artists that that you know where they can sell tickets, where they can sell merchandise, where they can become part of the brand. Mhm. But if it's an artist where the brand doesn't really matter, and it's then, then, you know, why would you ever even go to radio?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Why would
0: you spend the money? Yeah. It costs hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to radio for a single. So why not just go to, you you put half that money towards DSPs and other ways to do it, and, you know, you're profitable.
2: Do you like it better? I do I do like where it is right now. Well, of course it's you so do. It's so interesting. Of course you do. And the things that are working on Spotify or on the radio are like pretty awesome. But those weird. are totally
0: different songs.
2: Totally. I know.
0: Because the listenership is different. Yeah, it's nuts. You know, on a, any given Friday there's a new list. So like music doesn't last long unless it does. Yeah. And so like it, I guess what's what's unique about it is that like those top songs are not charting the same the top songs at pop are not the top songs at on spotify yeah. and vice versa
2: sometimes they are and that's like amazing
0: yeah yeah maybe one or two songs here yeah. or there but it's very rare it's shape of you it's yeah, despacito yeah, exactly. it's yeah. very very few songs really translate in both yeah you know but it, it makes sense as an artist it's a great time
2: great time and you have to care about all of it as a writer
0: as a writer it's like you will you you still need to, um, right now you still need to aim for a radio. Mm. If you're aiming for that Spotify hit, that Spotify hit, that YouTube hit will not pay you anything. Not really.
2: That's so crazy.
0: So that song, Fresh Eyes. No, I
2: know. I, I'm not. I'm not saying like, oh, you're teaching me something. I know this. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. That uh,
0: we have over three hundred million streams on Fresh Eyes. It's so nuts. But the amount of money we made on Good to Be Alive is. Uh, almost probably a hundred times more money no, because the licensing, radio, whatever. I mean, yeah. Fresh Eyes did well at radio yeah. too, but the streaming does not create the publishing re- revenue that it d- does for the label. Like, eventually, that has to change, does it? Uh, I mean, that's a whole other. That's another podcast. It's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's frustrating because. Yeah. That's why I caution, you know, defining a songwriter as the guy who sits at the piano who writes the song and then he goes and does his merry he goes on his merry life. That's not yeah. a songwriter anymore. Yeah. Songwriters yeah. has to make money from other facets. Totally. And labels have to compensate somehow. Well, to close out, first of all, thank you for doing Dude, this. Dude, I love you. I love great. you too. Yeah. Um When you released Fresh Eyes, the video I posted, reason number 254, the music industry should get behind artists like Andy Grammer. I couldn't be prouder to be associated with you. You're showing that the anti-rebel in a society that glorifies rebels makes you the rebel. (laughs) So thank you for letting me join the ranks of your rebellion.
2: Full-on rebellion, baby. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right. Congrats. Let's go. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andtheriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And The Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan.